I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 284 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, I welcome, after many years of asking to have her on the show, Nikki Law. Nikki Law is a PR person. It is the PR person that I've probably gotten along with the best over the years. And she's always been great to me. She deduced that we've known one another for 11 years now. So it was awesome to finally be able to talk to her and uh, put a, I guess for her, put a face to (laughs) the emails of, you know, uh, talking back and forth about different uh, clients of hers or just different music subjects. I do also want to mention that I name drop a bunch of people that I do work with that are PR people. I mentioned Maria from Adrenaline I mentioned Amy from Adam Splitter, Liz from Ear Split, Ebony Janae, and I missed Natalie from Napalm Records. So for that, I really need to say, uh, I really have to apologize because she's also been another female that's worked behind the scenes that's worked tremendously with me over the years. Uh, she's been tremendous. You know, I, I've been who well, I've been, but whatever. So I... Didn't mention her during the episode, and I did want to mention that, not to kiss ass, but just to recognize people's work and and what they do and how important it is. Real quickly, I do want to say thank you to my patrons for all of their support. Uh, I usually go down the list and read them all. Um, All I will say today is that they are the diehards of everything that I do. And I appreciate their support. They could support a million other shows, but they choose to support mine. And I want to thank you guys for listening because I know that there's a million other shows that you could be listening to and you decide to check this show out. This interview is a little different because it's someone from behind the scenes, someone that is just as important as the artists that they rep a lot of times. Uh, So I hope you guys appreciate this interview and my questions and. Nikki's answers, so on and so forth. Thanks for listening. And here we go. Let's jump right on into the interview with Nikki Law. We welcome to the show after many years of trying to make this happen and convincing. And I think I've sent multiple emails seeing if I could interview one or Nikki Law. And finally, we have her on. Nikki, how are you? Good. Uh, how do I sound? You Good. sound excellent. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like we've known each other too for like 11 years, I think now, Um, going all the way back to when I started at Century Media. It's been a long ride. Yeah. You were technically my boss at Metal Army America. Yeah, I know. I I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, that's uh, bringing it way back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've known you again, Century Media, Metal Blade, and then now you have your new endeavor with uh your own shop you have uh breaking the law pr um what was the main catalyst for you to decide to go out on your own uh i mean it was something i've always thought about uh i do like the freedom of working from home and like being an independent contractor making your own hours kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and for me i just felt like it was the next step in my career personally uh you know as a, as a label publicist, uh, you know, that's great too. Uh, it has its own challenges, but 
now as a freelancer, I can really work with anyone I want, like metal. Yes. But even beyond that and uh, right. that kind of growth is what I was looking for. Gotcha. Okay. And growth, you're doing an interview with me here. What, uh, what prompted you to decide to, to start to do interviews? Is it that, do you want to let people know that you're, you know, doing more than what they know you for and try to get, you know, the brand name out there and your name out there a little more? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I also just feel more comfortable since this is my own brand. I feel like if I were to do interviews as a label publicist, it's, it's just maybe tricky. You know, I think a lot of people would ask questions that would be difficult to answer. Whereas now I'm just, I feel like I'm in more control and can answer more honestly, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it because there's a lot of cogs in the wheel too. I mean, there could be something that you feel is correct or the right way to do something, but you're not your own boss. You know, you've got other exactly. people that are, that are around you that may feel That's differently. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also do feel that now, you know, I choose my clients and uh, it's like a true representation of me and what I believe in and, That's- you know, working at a label, I don't have those choices. It's, you know, whatever the label signs I have to work. Right. So (laughs) naturally I'm not a fan of everything. Uh, I don't think anyone would be, but now as my own boss, I can, you know, it's a lot leaner of a roster and I do believe in what I sign up for. That's, that's a big deal too. I mean, I've been, I've been podcasting for 13 years and one of the things that I like doing is pursuing bands that I actually like as opposed Mm -hmm. to You know, hey, if you interview my 45 bands, you know, maybe you can speak to that one big client that I have on my roster. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of the same thing. You know, if you're writing about someone, if you want to promote them, you really want to feel like you're a part of that team, like like you speak for them and and vice versa, as opposed to, yeah, all right, I'll I'll work these guys, but I really have no interest in them. Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, most of us in this business are here as like a, a passion, right? And if you, right. if that passion's not there, it's like, what are we doing? You know? yeah, yeah. We're not making millions here, guys. You know, that's Absolutely. how I feel anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the reason why, one of the reasons why I've always wanted to talk to you, um, not only because I've always felt that you were easy to approach and speak to, but obviously I'm a fan who's been doing a podcast for all this, for all these years. There's so many things that happen that, you know, I don't know about that. You know, you listen to other people that, uh, you know, obviously you listen to someone like a Jamie Josta and his show and he can talk to interviewers or people that he's interviewing on a specific level because he knows a lot of the mechanisms that take place behind the scenes. Um, There's a lot that I'm sure that you do that no one even knows about. That, you know, when a band succeeds, I'm sure that, you know, you're one of the unsung heroes uh, when it comes to promoting a tour or when it comes to promoting an album or something like that. Um, At the same time, you're kind of in the shadows where the general public, if something doesn't work the way that you wanted, yeah, maybe the band will come back to you and say, yeah, you know, we didn't get what we expected but you're also not getting that from, from the general public as well. You're not getting that same type of heat from them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way I've always seen it is, uh, well, I agree with you that publicity is kind of a thankless job (laughs) most of the time, not all the time. Um, but I, I do think that you are, it's like hard to quantify, uh, the work you put in, like, it doesn't translate necessarily to album sales or other things. So sometimes people are like, what are you doing all day? And it's like, well, you know, there's just, yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It, you know, follow up scheduling, rescheduling that I don't think a lot of people understand. And um, yeah, I do think that generally when a campaign's successful, it's like everyone's win, you know, like it was the manager and the booking agent, the band and the publicist is everyone together. But if it's uh, if something goes wrong, I feel like <laughs> I'm one of the first doors people knock on. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just I don't even know if it's because I'm a publicist or if I'm just a very responsive person. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say when shit hits the fan, it's like, you know, yeah, I usually hear from someone. So, 
So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely challenging. I'd say. Do you think that's other people, uh, uh, you know, playing the, the hot potato there and saying, you know, oh, yeah. I don't want to take it. Go, go to the publicist. You know, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think publicists also, we just, uh, we tend to be in, in touch with bands more often than maybe other people in the team are. Mm-hmm. So again, if, if you're a very responsive publicist, people will just automatically head to you again when shit, when shit hits the fan. Uh, right. But I actually don't mind those situations. I mean, I, I don't, if I truly fucked up on something, I would own up to it and be like, Hey, yeah, that, that was my fault. But if it wasn't right. me, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, let's look at it this way. Or, you know, let me explain this to you. Right. So it's, yeah. I mean, I think a lot more people would be frustrated with that, but I think I have a pretty thick, thick skin and yeah, I, I work hard. So I'm not really worried about people being, you know, pissed off at me most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's also coming from a, a business side of things, because I think, you know, at least for me personally, when you deal with certain people within uh, the industry, it seems as if business etiquette or ethics kind of don't equate to, to, to what they do. There's a lot of strange things that take place. And that's something that I've never had when dealing with you, where, you know, if something doesn't happen or something doesn't work out, there's always been a, a way to uh, to make it work. You know, it's it's been kind of, you know, it's atypical. I mean, there have been interviews that haven't taken place. I can I can tell you uh, a quote unquote nightmare story where I've called someone and spent I don't know how much money leaving them voicemail messages and being told by a publicist, well, you did this wrong. Well, you did that wrong instead of, OK, how can we solve this? and get this interview to take. So I've knock on wood. That's something that I've never dealt with with you. And from what you're explaining now, it seems as if you have more of a business background to want to, you know, work that side of angle, as opposed to just kind of throwing your hands up in the air and saying, yeah, someone else's fault. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a balancing act, uh, making the artist happy and also keeping relationships with media. Um, for me, like, I don't know, I, I treat, I try to treat everyone like with the same level of respect and I I do definitely give maybe (laughs) too much of my time, but I, I don't know. I just, I, no matter what size of the outlet, I, I just, yeah, I want to make sure that, you know, you're not getting screwed over and, um, you know, things work out for you and same mm-hmm. for the artists and, uh, you know, everyone walks away happy. That's like my ultimate goal is, uh, yeah. As I said, like keeping both sides, um, taken care of. Yeah. Cool. I uh, real quickly here, say hello to, uh, or I want to say hello to Jose in the chat. Also, uh, Joseph Michael from Witherfall checking in, toasting us there. Um, Let's uh, kind of dial the clock back. We mentioned the whole Century Media thing and all that. Where did you start out? What What was the jumping point for you to to get into all of this? What did you aspire to work in music? Um, was it a happy accident? You know, what started everything? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess growing up, I always wanted to work in entertainment, whether it be music or movies. Uh, but I guess, uh, like when I was a teenager, I started going to shows and that was when MySpace, you know, was still a thing. Uh, and I would be just on my own, like going to shows, taking like amateur photos and like writing little MySpace blog, like reviews as a teenager. Right. And, uh, I didn't necessarily think it would lead to anything. Um, I was just doing it as a fan. Uh, but someone reached out to me about it saying like, Hey, you know, we like what you're doing. Why don't you just do it for our, you know, press publication? And I was like, yeah, totally. Um, so I think my first interview was with children of Bodom and that might've been like, geez, uh, <laughs> like 2005. Yeah. Maybe around there. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I started doing interviews and just doing what I was already doing, like doing little reviews, taking photos. Uh, Eventually, yeah, I started getting connected with people in the scene through that, like 
totally like a range of people, like promoters, uh, people who even worked in like the gear industry. Um, and so I just started making connections and realized like, Hey, I think there's something here. Like, I think like I've always wanted to work in entertainment. I love metal music. I'm starting to know people. Um, so it kind of just took off from there. Eventually I got an internship through Century Media through some connections and yeah, the rest is history. Internship turned into job and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking on the previous hour about the whole, uh, all the rumors that are taking place with uh, Pantera currently. Um, from a PR standpoint, is something like that a nightmare for you to have something like that leak? Um, or is the old adage, you know, um, all news is good news. You know, what, how, do, how would you approach something like that? I mean, I guess I'm more of like the new school way of thinking of all news is good news. But uh, <laughs> I know I'm in like the very small minority. On that. <laughs> um, I actually feel in the same way, the same about albums. I'm not saying like, it's great if it leaks like years in advance or something, if you were sitting right. on it, but uh, I actually don't think an album leaking, you know, a couple weeks in advance, potentially even a month in advance, depending on what it is, is a bad thing. I think it just means people are excited and it shows like this organic interest. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's my personal opinion about that kind of stuff. Right. But again, I'm just, Small minority, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the the whole industry has changed. I mean, back in the MySpace days, you blew my mind. I thought MySpace was still a thing. Um, <laughs> back in those days, I mean, we had, I remember Anthrax's We've Come For You All, Nuclear Blast in Europe released it six months before it came out in the States. Mm -hmm. So that album, and there were other albums similar to that, that leaked six months in advance. Right. Um, nowadays, obviously, from what you're saying, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but there are so many things, so many different ways of measuring, uh, you know, through streaming where, you know, obviously Billboard and uh, other platforms like that have adapted to include, you know, streams as a way of measuring what an artist is doing, um, where, you know, streams are coming from, where they should tour. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that actually uh, where I think bands in the end are benefiting. Obviously, the, the monetary gains aren't what they once were, but mm -hmm. um, I think that there's still things that you could there's certain silver linings that you can find along the way. Well, uh, I will say on the monetary level, I mean, I've, I've seen definitely some artists be extremely successful since the pandemic doing streaming like, like this right. uh, podcast and whatnot. I think that there are just, I mean, this industry is constantly changing. Promotions is constantly changing. Uh, if you embrace the new way of doing things, I think, there's definitely a possibility to finally have a career in music, but you know, you can't just, it's not just about making albums and tours. It's also doing things like this. Um, so you have to be willing to, to kind of do that, embrace the new way, you know, not everybody wants to. So. Right. And that's interesting too, because during the pandemic, I think you had two extremes. You had bands that were willing to try things and keep, you know, in the mindset of their fans. And there were others that just kind of sat on their couch and were like, no, right. we'll just wait till all of this blows over. But it just, to me, it seemed like kind of a, a lost opportunity. There, there are so many bands that I mm -hmm. think have kind of released like the album of their career um, mm -hmm. because they've had extra time. They have been able to work on songs. They were able to work on albums sonically where maybe previous albums had good songs, but just didn't sound like the band did live or didn't sound as good. And I think that that's probably the biggest silver lining um, from the pandemic is those bands that did want to work kind of being, you know, still in their fans minds and still work on their craft to, to better as opposed to just hoping that something was going to happen through osmosis. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And uh, I've definitely seen, I mean, I have some clients that are doing this now even uh, where they are just writing a single at a time instead of a full record at a time and just dropping them, you know, seeing how they perform, seeing the feedback and then kind of crafting your next single around that feedback and then eventually putting all this together as an album. I mean, there's just, you know, a lot of different ways to do it now. I think the pandemic really shook up <laughs> the way people, uh, again, like promoted things, released things, uh, priorities, everything. Uh, there's definitely good and bad with it. And I agree, like some people, you know, I mean, I can't really criticize anyone who didn't take advantage of those opportunities during the pandemic. I'm not a musician. I can right. imagine being like having dated musicians and hearing how much, how important live music is to them and touring and not having that. I could see where you just don't feel like creatively motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see that side of it too. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I guess whatever works uh, for people, but uh, I, I personally think that it's great that there's just new ways to get yourself out there and you don't have to be on the road all the time to put money in your pocket. Do you think by seeing, you know, a lot of the stuff that we mentioned that took place because of the pandemic, do you think that will change how a lot of bands act to do exactly what you mentioned, where maybe they'll take longer between cycles to maybe work more on, on their music, on the production, on different things that maybe before it was album tour, album tour. And that was the only way of, of doing things again. Uh, Bob in the chat mentioned Trivium. Matt Hafey is making, I don't know mm-hmm. how much money off of Twitch right now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I personally think so, but again, it depends on the band because it's not like every single artist embraces this either. Um, yeah. There's definitely still a lot of artists that, do see it as like album tour in two years, another album tour. Um, but I think the people that are embracing like Matt, you know, uh, new ways of doing things. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the point in releasing an album like every two years anymore. Uh, to me, it just seems like a little too frequent <laughs> or uh, personally, like, as I said, I liked the approach of just dropping singles over time and then putting that together as an album. But I know that's like very, very not metal approach to releasing music. But uh, I think that's like a cool way to give fans like new things, like little nuggets here Mm -hmm. and there. And then, um, but while still not releasing an album, like all the time, if that makes sense. Well, that's if, if we look back at things, that's how they did in the sixties, actually like the Mm -hmm. Beatles and all of these bands that were like pioneers. That's what they did. They would release singles every so often You'd get EP and then you'd get the full length with everything kind of put together. So it's not that far-fetched. It's worked in the past. And I Mm -hmm. think for a lot of older bands, that makes a lot more sense too. Because you see a lot of these bands, you know, record a full length. Mm -hmm. And then you go see them live and they play one song off of it. It's kind of like, what's the point in releasing, you know, working on a full length when you're not going to play those songs live? I've kind of been in that same mindset, you know. Just give me a single, give me an EP where, yeah. you know, you're all right. So you're releasing four new songs, but you're going to play two of them live. I, I, I get that more than just, okay, we released a new album, but we're not playing anything off of it live. I mean, I think it depends if, if the artist is like really creatively fired up and they're like, yeah, like a fountain of creativity can release like really strong records all the time then fine. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's just sometimes I feel like people do that because that's the way it's always been done right. versus like waiting until they're like creatively refreshed and then putting out like their strongest effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying not to make like blanket statements here. <laughs> like every band should wait five years. Every band should drop yeah. singles here and there. But I, yeah, I just think it really depends on the situation, but I think most importantly, there shouldn't be this like mold or like routine with music or creative things. It should be like when you feel like you have the strongest record, then you put it out, whether it's two years, five years, you know, if you drop singles and then make an album around it, like just, yeah, think more creatively. Don't, don't approach it like the way it has been, I don't know, pre pandemic, I guess. Yeah. That'd be my sense. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, too, like everyone, everyone's life is different. Every band is different. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what I said, too, you know, not every band has worked the social media aspect of or the streaming aspect. Some of them because they couldn't. You know, there are some people that had to go out and get jobs and, and do things to make right. them, you know, mm-hmm. so um, everyone knows how, you know, what they need in their own life and how they need to, to run things. So, yeah. It, I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick and make a blanket statement either. You know, it's just. Yeah, I know. I always try to. It's really hard to like have an opinion, but then also be like open minded. (laughs) Let's try my best as a publicist. Someone crafting press releases daily, you know. So Yeah. (laughs) Trying to word things correctly here. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Um, For the most part, I mean, metal is still a guy's world, still a man's world. Mm hmm. Do you feel that that has changed any from when you started? I mean, we've had obviously things like the Me Too movement. We've had a lot of different things with advances. We've also had huge setbacks in the last few uh, weeks um, outside of music. Mm -hmm. But do you feel that um, the music industry itself has changed at all? I mean, I look at yourself. um, I look at someone like Maria at Adrenaline. I look at you know, Amy at Adam Splitter, Liz at Ear, um, Ear Split. I don't want to screw up any of these PR names because <laughs> I work with all these people. Ebony Janae is another one. And and ultimately, uh, Tracy Vera, who's the president over at Metal Blade as well. Um, so there are women that are within predominant roles within the industry, but I'm neither a female. <laughs> I'm not on your side <laughs> of the fence either. So I, you know, I can speculate, but I don't know exactly what's taking place in your opinion do you think there have been some steps made and i mean without without a doubt there still needs to be a a way to go to to reach equality or to reach a certain type of you know standard that would have females be seen in the same way that males are within the industry um this is kind of a tricky question i mean to me personally i I don't feel like my, my day-to-day life has changed a whole lot from when I started. Um, I I do, I I hear what you're saying that there's definitely, you know, women throughout the industry and then there's women in like, you know, very prominent positions, but I I don't know. It's just, you still, as a woman, at least me, um, you know, you encounter like the old guard, especially, where you just don't get that level of respect. And, <laughs> and I, there was even one situation recently where there was another uh, woman on the call, one of the people you actually mentioned. And uh, just the way that this man was coming at us, it, it, we knew, like, both of us agreed. It was like this very, like, dinosaur, like, I don't know, old white dude kind of thing where – you know, it was just really combative for no reason, like completely disrespectful. It was ridiculous. Um, I mean, he started the call with some comment about like, oh, I'm all women on the call. Like, oh, <laughs> just me, just me, the man. Uh, it was just really awkward. And I mean, after that, I pretty much decided like I can't work with this person. <laughs> so wow. uh, there's still a lot of that in the, the industry. Thankfully, at this point, I, I can kind of choose not to work with those people. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I, you know, I still encounter it, of course, like I right. just mentioned, but uh, maybe I come across it less now because I have my own business. And again, I'm trying to choose the people, like I want to work with people that I want to work with and people yeah. I believe in. Um, but yeah, it just rears its head every once in a while. Um, I don't know why. Um, so I'd say that and just, Oh yeah. I mean, I've had like my me too situations throughout the years, um, in and out of the industry. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> Sorry if that's not, I feel like most of them are like, yes, it's much better. And I'm this, this rain cloud saying like, no, not really. <laughs> but that's just how I personally feel. Yeah. I, you know, and in light of other things that happened recently, you know, in, in this country, it just, I don't know. I just don't get the vibe that, we're as respected as we should be. <laughs> I don't know. 
Sorry. Hopefully that doesn't make you feel any more awkward. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it's as as someone that's a a very emotional person, it kind of pisses me off to hear that, that, I mean, that somebody isn't respecting you for, as a person, for your, for your work, what you do. And and everyone that I mentioned, I mentioned them because I have a, a good relationship with them um, when it comes to, to doing all this stuff. So it, it annoys me that in 2022 that somebody would, would treat you or anyone else like that. You know, there's, there's, you know, unfortunately there's a reason why there's some people that have faded and kind of gone away (laughs) because of Mm -hmm. that type of mentality. But unfortunately there's, as you're saying, there's still, uh, there's still plenty of it left. And obviously, like I said before, your experience is going to be your experience. So it's going to be different to, you know, other people that just look at things with, uh, you know, maybe through rose colored glasses. Um, obviously yeah, you're doing- I mean, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I mean, uh, to further that point, like another, like me too kind of moment. Uh, one of those guys was just promoted into like a managerial role, <laughs> this company, Another one sitting at the top has been for years. You know, I, I think we got some of the most obvious offenders, right? Um, but there's still a lot of people lurking in the shadows that are really inappropriate and disrespectful. And it's just, I think the response is just like, well, that's how they are. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. It's just like, well, they're from this generation. That's just how they are. They've always been like that. I mean, I don't find that acceptable, but... Yeah, I I don't I I I don't either. So I'm 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 with you there on on that. That makes no sense. Again, getting back to business ethics and just being ethical with people. You know, whether you're from another generation or not, there are things that were acceptable a hundred years ago that aren't acceptable now. You know, there are things that were acceptable a few years ago that aren't acceptable now. I mean people change and evolve. That's part of what being a human being is. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm again, one of the weird ones, but that makes no well, sense. To me. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I constantly like this still happens in 2022. Like how <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused, but yeah, here we are. Um, I guess in my own way, I just, I really try my best to, uh, yeah, I, get, I mean, obviously treat people with respect, duh, but um, think of uh, new ways. Like I, I brought on some part-time help. I'm like really trying to think about how to like treat her fairly and like develop her in ways that, you know, maybe I wasn't, I was kind of kept under people's thumbs maybe yeah. in the past for whatever reason. And like, I'm just doing my best to, um, yeah, uh, change things in my own way, in my own little small way. And maybe that uh, inspires someone else. I don't know. That's just my hope anyway. No, I, I guess that, that, that makes sense. You know, that where you, you, t- uh, especially in your position, this is just my opinion. If, if you're someone's boss, if you have your own thing, anyone who's under you, um, you want them not only to be able to do the job, but also become better people along the way, I would think, become more prepared. Um, mm-hmm. Coming from IT, I had a, uh, <laughs> a, a someone uh, once told me, well, why are you teaching so-and-so how to, um, how to do that job? Um, is it because she's a female? I said, no, I want to have a competent coworker that can do the job if I need to delegate that she can do the same job. And, and, and right before I left that job, I had the boss tell me, well, you know, you were really keen on this person. I'm like, yeah, because they were a good worker, not because of anything else. And his comeback was, well, I've hired somebody who's going to be even better because of her anatomy. And I'm like, um, Barf. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, well, can she do the job? What's her background? Oh, that doesn't matter. I'm like, glad I'm leaving. Um, yeah. Good for you. So yeah. I, 
I've heard similar things. I mean, not, uh, of course in the industry, but, uh, uh, I know of one company where, you know, they were looking to hire someone and it was all men, uh, on staff. And, you know, of course everyone wants to be like an equal opportunity employer, but I know someone there and internally they're like, there's no way we're bringing a woman in here. Like we're not changing this dynamic. Like it's going to stay all dudes. <laughs> I, was just like, I mean, it's stuff like that. It's just frustrating hearing it again. You know, I don't want to be a downer or a bummer and maybe it's just my own experience, but yeah, it's just, it's like, when will this change guys? <laughs> Come on. It's, it's, it's the reality of what's taking place. So mm-hmm. um, with us, talking about all of this, is it, is it important that people see you as a woman PR person or just as a great PR person? I would much rather a great PR person. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But, yeah. uh, yeah. And hopefully people see that, <laughs> I don't know. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess like it being a, a woman owned business. I, I think that's also important too. Maybe that inspires other women to, I mean, this is a boys club, uh, traditionally. So maybe that tells other women like, Hey, it is possible to, to like be, to have a career in this, uh, this field. So, right. but more importantly, a great PR person. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked, um, diamond row of Tetrarch, uh, last year when I interviewed her, um, because I'd seen different articles written on her and I asked her, I said, you know, you fit a lot of like atypical things within metal. You're African-American, you're a lead guitarist, um, and you're playing in basically a, a new metal revival band. Um, what do you want to be known as? And she said, well, first and foremost, I want people to know me as a great musician. Now, similar mm-hmm. to what you said, if this gets more girls to pick up the guitar because they see me playing and say, Hey, I can do that. Or I want to do that. Then that's a plus. So mm-hmm. I, I exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, when you're dealing with a new band, cause obviously you're saying that you need to be interested in a band in order to work with them. But even before that, what are the biggest do's and don'ts? for them if they want to work with you? Hmm. Uh, I respond really well when people email me, first of all, instead of uh, DM me on various platforms. Um, So that'd be number one. (laughs) Uh, Also, when you email me, if you sent me, you know, some information, whether that's something as formal as a press kit or just links, like kind of bullet pointed things, that really helps me know, like, especially if it's a band, you know, that, never heard of before. Um, Mm -hmm. so it gets me interested right away. I mean, I had someone today email me, sent no information. (laughs) Uh, they sent me a, well, they sent me a timeline of what they want to do. Um, like, like, Oh, a single here, tour here, EP here. But like, I don't know this band. Um, there was no links, no nothing. Um, so that kind of stuff, it just, I wouldn't say it's a turn off, but, um, when someone, present something really professionally over email. That's like, okay, I'm interested. Let me check this out. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, the do's, the don'ts. Um, hmm. I can't really think of a don't. I, again, I try to be really open-minded and, <laughs> you know, I mean, I work with a whole range of bands and I've had, you know, a level bands. They're like, Oh, don't send me attachments. I don't want to open. I don't have, you know, Microsoft word or this Microsoft suite, just like copy paste everything into a body of an email. So like, I'm <laughs> again, I try, or like some people really love texting me. I'd say that actually a lot of people do. So I wouldn't say that there's any don't, I again, try to be open-minded to people's situations and right. they're, savviness or needs with tech. Um, but, um, I'd say just be professional. That would be like, make a good first impression. It's a big do. Excellent. Yeah. One of the things that I've mentioned to you in the past that always has stood out from what you send out is that it always seems very professional and, and it, that's always caught my eye where you work with other people and it's like, okay, well, so here's this band's 
new video. And you're like, okay, um, when is the album dropping? Where are they from? What have they released? Who's on the album? You know, there's so many things that it, it feels like, yeah, you want to convey this information, but if you really have nothing to go by, then how are you again supposed to be in, get invested in the band and then mm-hmm. in turn help, help promote them if you've really got nothing nothing to go on the other good one is yeah so and so is this is their first video they'll be releasing an album some point next year you're like okay <laughs> that's pretty vague yeah no i know um i mean i had i had someone hit me up and i'm actually really interested in the project um they don't have any new music coming and I guess they're probably pretty unknown here. I had never heard of them. Um, but then they have a tour, just some like tour dates in the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were talking about that. And, uh, this person was saying that it's going to be difficult because there's no new music, no new video, everything you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that what they're doing is interesting enough to where I think people will want to talk with them. Mm-hmm. They're also willing to make uh, video content at home. Like I sent them some examples. So I think that there are definitely ways to promote like tricky situations like that, but there has to be something going on. I mean, again, like to get, I, you want me interested. Mm-hmm. If I'm not interested, like how can I get media interested? Right. Um, so it's like you, yeah, again, like present like your best case. It's like, even if you don't have an album, it's like, okay, well, we have this really cool video. We work with this really cool director. Like this guest is on it. I've heard all these things before. And some of that stuff, yeah, actually is kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, like sell yourself to the publicists. That would be my recommendation or my advice to people right. reaching out to PR. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then obviously, you know, if they sell themselves well to you, you're, going to want to sell them to everyone else. So it just makes exactly. sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now that, I mean, you're early on the game with, uh, with your own shop, you've been, has it been a year already? Uh, almost a year in September. Okay. Um, so there, there's very few, like the one that got away stories at this point, I'm assuming are, are there, you know, without naming any bands, have, have there been anyone that you've gone after that, you know, you really wanted to work with and haven't been able to? Uh, not really, actually. I, I feel, well, first of all, it's just me and I'm training some part-time help. So the bandwidth of what I can take on is pretty limited, which okay. is fine. Um, I really, I'm not looking to like have this huge roster, just right. it would be completely overwhelming and I wouldn't be able to do, like, I, I imagine a lot of people wouldn't be happy with my work if I'm stretched right. too thin. I, I can't, you know, get around everyone. Um, so since I have like such a limited bandwidth, uh, a lot of people actually come to me, uh, people I know, like maybe I've worked with before or new clients where maybe it's like a manager or someone I know. So uh, knock on wood, <laughs> I'm kind of living off of referrals and all the good work I've already done uh, is now coming back to me, you know. Um, so I don't really seek out a lot, believe it or not. Um, there was a band recently where, again, the label reached out. Uh, I haven't worked with them before, but, you know, I know of them. They're cool. Uh, ultimately, they went with another PR firm, which I kind of suspected, but something else popped up at the same exact time that I you know, also believe in. So I'm like, Hey, all right, well, I couldn't have taken on both these things anyway. <laughs> so right. here's this other cool thing. And, you know, again, knock on wood, that's kind of how it's been for me. It's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one door closes and then another one opens yeah. and hopefully it just continues to stay that way. <laughs> we'll, well see. I, yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I listen to a lot of like different podcasts from different parts of the entertainment industry and from like different shows and things. And it's interesting where they talk about, you know, huge firms taking on, you know, um, actors and directors Mm -hmm. and writers and stuff. And they also talk about small, like boutique managers, which could be kind of like a little closer to what you're doing where, Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a handful of clients that you feel that you can give them the maximum amount of your attention as opposed mm-hmm. to just, oh, you know, I need 30 clients 
And and then you realize that there's out of those 30 that there's 25 that really aren't getting the attention they they really need. Um, yeah, exactly. That I I would hate that. It would just like I it, I have like this problem with um I'm a perfectionist, so the thought of disappointing people or them not being happy with my work would just kill me. So yeah. There's no way I would do that unless it was uh, you know, I've had like some people just kind of want me to issue a press release for them and that's about it, which mm-hmm. I really, I, I don't take on that kind of work. Um, a few people kind of dupe me into that, unfortunately, but, uh, I, I would say like, if that was all I was doing, um, like just essentially like writing and servicing press releases then yeah, sure. I would do a lot more, but if it's like a full on album campaign, which is really what I sign up for, like, I can't take on that much of time to like really work it correctly. Right. So, and, and based on what you're saying, you're having a lot of labels that obviously when you're working with metal blade or century media, you're just working for them or any subsidiary of those companies. Whereas now, you know, any label is kind of fair game. So long as you're mm-hmm. interested in working with them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been nice. I mean, uh, yeah, working with Century Media and Metal Blade now, um, but then also some other labels, which is cool. Um, yeah, once again, bands of my choosing, which is nice. So can't complain. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing, too, with that, I would imagine that there's more stability, too. You look at what happened with Century Media, where you have someone like right. a Sony come in and gobble them up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the most part, you know, they've kind of stayed the course, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure that there have been over overlapping um, pieces there that have, you know, been let go as a result. Um, I don't know that that would ever happen with like a metal blade, with a metal blade, but we saw it with Roadrunner as well. We've seen it with a lot of different labels over the year. Being your own boss as well kind of ensures that that never happens as well. Well, I, I mean, to me, you know, going back to one of your first questions about, uh, you know, why I went freelance, I just think it, you know, I love the labels I work with and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, not to put them down or anything, but, you know, as someone who's 34 in the record label business, it's not exactly the most like forward thinking business model. Right. So that was always kind of a concern of mine was, yeah, I, I was at a label century that was acquired by Sony. And then I left soon after because I mean, just with acquisitions in general, there's always going to be layoffs, especially redundancies. And eventually like the whole team was laid off. So I would have been laid off if I stayed there. So, you know, labels aren't exactly like a booming business. It's a lot of them get acquired or they like scale down. I mean, century is doing, I think even better now. I mean, they've, but it's a whole new team, you know, as well. So for me, like going freelance, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's like forward thinking, but maybe safer in the sense that like I can adapt more easily. Uh, I mean, labels, I guess, could adapt, but they don't really seem to want to. Right. Much. Uh, so if like for some reason, you know, like a recession, the, up- the upcoming recession everyone's worried about if people don't want to do PR, I have other ideas to maybe get through a dry spell, uh, Uh, you know, and for a label, that would be a lot more difficult to maneuver. Uh, It's not like you just quickly just change your business model. Um, So yeah, again, like in the back of my head, it's like, okay, this is safer in that sense. Um, Yeah. You're ready. (laughs) Regardless. (laughs) Um, At this point, is there, do you consider there to be like a dream band that you'd want to work with or is that, mm. are you just cool with the way that things are now? Uh, okay. Well, uh, so when you asked if I reach out to anyone, I did. So it was kind of a long shot. Um, this band called the midnight. I don't know if you've heard of them, not yeah. midnight the band I work with, but they're like a, like a retro wave kind of band. Yeah. Their new album's like very like synthy Def Leppard from what I've heard so far. Uh, so yeah, I, I was, my, my husband and I listen to them all the time. Um, so that would be a band I'd love to work. Uh, someone else is already working that campaign, but 
the manager did respond. So, so that was cool. Um, so yeah, maybe one day, who knows? Small okay. dreams. <laughs> right. Um, other bands that you're working with now, a, a band that has been very interesting to me, who's really, uh, had a very DIY approach has been haunt. Mm-hmm. Um, really, um, from starting the, their own label from starting, you know, just doing stuff on Bandcamp, and seeing that they were working with you. Um, how did that relationship kick off because everything was so DIY. Was that something where you had to approach him or vice versa? Because that was, you know, something that he felt he was lacking with, with his brand. Uh, so actually his manager is a really good friend of mine. Uh, and also an artist, uh, Jarvis Leatherby from night demon or iron grip recordings. If you're familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I love working with Jarvis. Jarvis approached me about it. And uh, yeah, uh, to me, it's like, I'll, I'll do whatever Jarvis wants. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm also working the Night Demon Records. So, right. um, yeah, so that's how that came to be. Um, yeah, it's really that simple. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I really haven't reached out to anyone besides the Midnight, I guess. Now that I think about it, yeah. Cool. And that's that's interesting that you bring that up because you know, how the, that shows how the business has evolved, where you have people that are in bands like Jarvis, like a Blasco, like people like that who are now in bands that are known and they're still managing other bands as well. So it isn't just, they've got a lot of things going on. Well, that's what we, you know, to go back to what we were talking about, there's lots of ways to make, you know, make music your full-time career. Um, look at yeah. Jarvis. Like he's in a band. He's in multiple bands, actually. He also right. manages bands. He has a record label. This is podcast. He does a lot of things, <laughs> way more than me. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's an industry where people wear a lot of hats generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that in terms of work, it's kind of the same thing with artists. Um, if you put yourself out there, you do hard work, people will come to you. Um, whether it's labels, management agent, like some kind of representation will come to you eventually. Mm -hmm. I believe that anyway. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, as you expand what you do is, is your idea to have other people under you to, you know, say you handle five bands, they handle another five, something like that. So that you, you can, make sure that maybe the roster is a little bigger, but you're not the main person handling everything. Uh, I wouldn't be against that. I guess it just, it's a matter of finding the right people, which is really difficult. Uh, The person that I'm training right now, uh, she has a full-time job. Uh, So I'm, I think that for us, it will always be like a part-time thing. Uh, And for that reason, it's, it's not like I could ever hand over something to her completely. Sure. I do also think uh, to like hand off a project like that, it's a little tricky because a lot of people going back to the referral thing, they're coming to me for me, my work and to just be like, right. okay, yeah, I'll sign you up. And then, Oh, <laughs> here you go. Who will be your point person on everything. Uh, I don't think that that would go over that well. In, in order for that to work, it would have to be someone who's already like has a name that people also know. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, I would love to work with them too. Like both of you. Um, that's kind of a, to me, like a big, like a tall order. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small industry. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll see. It would have to be another Nikki law so that you know that that person is giving the same amount of attention that, that you are. And ultimately breaking the law is you and your name and your brand. So you Mm -hmm. want your brand to be represented the way that you would represent it. So that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have other ideas for expanding services that don't involve uh, more people. Mm -hmm. Uh, My main idea is doing consulting. I just, I keep wanting to do it. I just haven't had the time to really set it up, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's definitely um, this like need or demand for 
bands that can't like maybe hire a full-time publicist, especially over a couple months period of time, but just want some kind of insight on like how to like when they should time things, uh, do's and don'ts, uh, maybe even like connecting them with other people in the industry, like videographers, photographers, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of more marketing stuff. Um, yeah, maybe like on an hourly basis, consulting people about that kind of stuff. I'd love to do that. I just need to make time for it. So <laughs> hopefully one day we'll see. Right. That That's a really cool idea, actually. Um, Thanks. C- yeah, because I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, I mean... You have to, you have to have the time, you have to have the money. And, and like you're saying, there's, there's a lot of bands that probably have neither. So mm-hmm. exactly. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I see it from, from a web design standpoint uh, that a lot of people are just dead set on, no, this is my client. This is how much I make. If not, you know, whatever. But yep. at the same time, mm-hmm. there's kind of a human side to things where you kind of want to help people as well. So exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing too, is I have a lot of people who turn to me like just for random advice about all kinds of things. Not that I'm an expert. I don't <laughs> pretend to be, but sometimes I think uh, coming from a label background and also continuing to work with labels, there are just a lot of people out there that don't know how labels think, like what they're looking for, why they do things a certain way that they do. Right. And I'm always happy to advise about that stuff. But at the same time, I'm looking at like, hmm, you know, I have like so much in my day. Like, why don't yeah. you just set aside an hour and you pay a reasonable fee mm-hmm. um, that fits within your budget and we can talk about all these things. And then, you know, we both get something like out of it. I mean, I feel bad. And that's the thing is I feel bad asking money for these kinds of things. But I'm at a point where I'm working on so many other things. Like, right. I, I feel like it is fair you know, to pay like a little bit for some knowledge and, yeah. you know, advice, but we'll well, see. <laughs> it ultimately does have to, you know, be worth your while. And also I think what a lot of people don't realize, I, I get this uh, when doing web design. Oh, well, it only took you X amount of time to do this. Why are you charging me this much? Well, there's a certain amount of experience that goes involved in what exactly. you there's, there's a lot of sharks out there in the water where if they had someone like you to guide them away from the sharks, um, <laughs> it would probably save them headaches, time, and money. And let's be honest, that's probably like the biggest thing that people are looking for. So just, exactly. just to get a little for your time, I don't think is a lot to ask for. That's what I think too. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping to do it sooner than later, as I said, if I can train this part-time help to at least alleviate some things off my plate, then yeah, I think it's definitely possible to do it. So stay tuned. (laughs) From a podcasting side of things, uh, with all the money, I was reading an article earlier today about all the money that's being pumped into podcasting. And because of that, the first union has been set up for podcasting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is there a future for PR work with podcasts outside. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually, (laughs) yeah, I I've reached out to a few podcasts and I mean, I work with a few content creators as you may know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I actually just talked with a new one yesterday. Uh, I definitely think that there's, I I haven't, I've been struggling to like land them. I think Mm -hmm. it goes back to like people having money and time to deal with a publicist. And I don't think a lot of people think they could do it all themselves, which fair enough. But I think there will come a point where it's more standard to have a publicist be your your representative and to do a lot of your outreach, especially for guests, Mm -hmm. maybe even scheduling. Another one that I've um, with one of my content creators, you know, he was really trying to figure out how to take he's like fine with the scheduling and the outreach, but he really wanted like, how do you get your interviews with guests to land with media? And so we really fine tuned like how to do that. Um, And I was telling him what to really, what to like focus in on. And then like we work on it together and then we, you know, send it off to media and we've actually seen some, some pickups on that, which helps him. It brings in people to his podcasts or, you know, his streams. 
Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, uh, I think having a publicist for a podcast, I think is definitely beneficial. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it will be eventually more common. So that's my personal opinion. Cool. Good, good to know. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Cause like everything else, everything evolves podcasting. I've seen it in 13 years, how it's mm-hmm. evolved. Yeah. And someone like myself, who, who's an independent podcaster, you know, at, at the beginning of things in 2009, uh, there weren't uh, Eddie Trunks and Chris Jericho's and nope. Justice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, bigger names have gotten involved. Obviously, you know, the, the whole, the, the whole landscape has changed. So, um, yeah. Uh, again, coming from the IT side of things, I've, I'm curious with all this stuff to see how it all moves forward and how, you know, how, how a publicist down the road can help cure the mysteries of how to get on certain publications. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, my email. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's funny. Like, uh, I don't know this person again that I'm working with. He like came to me with that and it's not like I have a ton of experience, but with all my PR experience, like I know what these sites are looking for. Am mm-hmm. I taking that experience being like, okay, well, let's do this. Um, and then it worked. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like we said, there's definitely value and experience and, uh, it's, it's been hard to get people to want to sign up for that, but, uh, I think they'll see it eventually, you know, they'll come around and they'll just keep moving forward. So, yeah, I, I think my, uh, hardest thing and not to, um, uh, not from a PR standpoint, but when you, when you get done with an interview and you say, wow, that one, that one was gold speaking to that person, you know, whatever you get these, these things where you're thinking, all right, automatically this site's picking this up and you, and you, and you get crickets. And then all of a sudden you Mm -hmm. see an interview where you get your usual run of the mill. So how's the tour? So how's the album? And you're like, huh, that got picked up, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. one of these head scratching moments where, and any type of leverage, I think nowadays for an independent podcaster uh, is important. So, yeah, uh, no, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think too. Sometimes it might. <laughs> I mean, you're a press person. I'm sure you get a ton of press releases every day. Uh, right. There's just sometimes really heavy news days where it can be really hard to compete, no matter what it is. Um, right. There's only, I mean, these sites are only going to post X amount a day. Yeah. Uh, I've actually seen recently like big news of mine posted like a day later. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, everyone I talk to is like, I'm so burnt out. I have 200 <laughs> news items in my inbox. Um, so yeah, trying to like stand out from that noise is, can be really right. challenging um, these days, but there's definitely ways to do it. I think that make it more appealing or make it more uh, attractive for them to pick up and repost. I'll put it that way without giving my secrets away. (laughs) I don't want to give the special sauce for sure. (laughs) Uh, Usually before wrapping an interview up, I ask the artist, um, you know, the, the usual, where should they go to keep up with, with what the artist is doing? So on and so forth. With Nikki Law, where do you want, do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, right there is my handle. Um, okay. And uh, <laughs> you'll follow me right there and I'll lead you to uh, Breaking the Law. Um, but yeah, I'd say like Instagram, Facebook. I have a link tree. <laughs> I don't have a site yet. Uh, I know we've talked about that. <laughs> Maybe eventually on the the mental to do's but uh yeah at breaking the law pr or at nikki the law would be uh the places to go excellent last question now i featured this graphic this was one of the awesome pictures that you have on your social media (laughs) yeah my question have you ever walked in those heels or did you just put them on for the picture no uh so I haven't done it recently and it was kind of uh, also like not 
on a regular basis during the pandemic, obviously, but I danced for a really long time, maybe like six or seven years and then COVID hit, which disrupted all that. Um, so yeah, I would dance in heels like that. I think those are my eight inch heels, but I, yeah. So those definitely seven inch heels on a regular basis. It's actually easier than you think. It's kind of, um, like a little bit of an illusion, right? Because the front of the heel has this big wedge chunk. Mm-hmm. So the real heel on the back maybe is like this much, which to most women isn't like a big deal. I'm sure you, I'm sure you don't wear heels all the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually yeah pretty comfortable once you get used to it. So yes, I have walked in them. <laughs> there you go. You learn something new every day. So thank awesome. you. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki, I, w- I want to thank you for coming on. This was years in the making. It did not disappoint. Learned a lot of uh, information. And as usual, I look forward to receiving your press releases and, and will be uh, in touch. I, I thank you for your time and hope that everyone enjoyed the, the interview as much as I enjoyed doing it with you. Yeah, it was great talking with you. Um, I feel like this is the first time we've even seen each other so, yeah. <laughs> in like 10 years. So long time Absolutely. coming. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who's watching this live or who is listening or watching the replay of this. Um, We'll see you uh, in two weeks uh, with uh, some guests that I will have on. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Oh, Dan Lorenzo, who, uh, who we screwed up with last week. So there you go. That's the guest we'll have on the 29th. So uh, thanks guys for watching. We'll see you next time right here on the signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks Podcast. See you. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks Podcast. This concludes our show. 